When is your iPhone iPhoney? Find out on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Well, hey there, everyone. It's Dr. Johnny here, and this is another episode of Pushback. I am so delighted that you decided to join me for this podcast today and every week. Would you please spread the word about Pushback? Uh, the heart being to connect with real topics of the day from a Christian perspective, from from an ambassadorial uh, perspective, uh, that we actually are bringing heaven to earth, and that we know how to talk about these issues. We can talk about them with love and honor and respect. Uh, and actually, in so doing, change culture, shape the culture, and uh, have culture look like heaven's culture. That's our goal. So I'm so glad you joined me again today. I have an interesting topic today, I believe. Something I've talked about briefly a few other times, but this podcast is entitled iPhoney. And what I want to talk about are smartphones and iPhones in relationship to our society and culture. Now, I've shared in the past some of the dangers of, of using iPhones or media um, from tendonitis in your thumbs to uh, obviously the depression and anxiety that goes along with uh, sort of quote unquote fake social interaction that sometimes can take place on iPhones. I want to dig a little bit deeper uh, this week and talk specifically about the phone itself. I kind of got on this topic because our family began watching a show on the History Channel that's hosted by Peyton Manning. Uh, and it's it's about the, the greatest of all time lists. You know that we as Americans, we love our top 10 lists. And uh, this one is about different topics that he will go after. And then he'll consult sort of the the experts in the field in regards to history and, and rank people according to um, their statistics, their innovation, and their legacy as their criteria. And the experts give them a rank, and then it kicks out sort of this top 10 list. And he has done different categories, including the greatest toys, the greatest inventions, the greatest daredevils, uh, the greatest sports stadiums, uh, dynamic duos. He's got all these different topics. And then the experts sort of weigh in on who they think their top 10 list is. The fun part is, of course, uh, our family then kind of weighs in as well, whether we think they're right or whether we think somebody was left off the list. Uh, and so it's kind of a fun show that we have connected to. Well, last week we saw the topic was Titans of Industry. And so it was going through uh, they what they ranked as sort of the ones who were pioneers in industry, obviously successful monetarily, uh, as well as what legacy they may have left. And I'm sure you're probably curious who was on their list. Uh, some of these might raise our eyebrows a little bit, but um, I'll just go through them real quick because I actually want to get to number one because that's what this one is about. Uh, number 10 was Martha Stewart. Number nine was Ted Turner. Eight was Oprah Winfrey. Seven, J.P. Morgan. Eight, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Five, Andrew Carnegie. Four, John D. Rockefeller. 
three, Walt Disney, two, Henry Ford. And the number one ranking was given to, drum roll please, Steve Jobs. Now, it's kind of hard to argue that uh, in regards to uh, mobile devices, uh, putting a computer in everybody's hand. We are completely, uh, whether we like it or not, dependent, reliant on computer technology, uh, basically in every aspect of our life, whether it's banking or shopping or um, uh, looking up the weather, it doesn't matter. Uh, our mobile computer devices, our cell phones, our smartphones uh, have certainly um, impacted life and changed the world. So from the criteria of statistics, um, what were the criteria? Innovation and legacy uh, Steve Jobs, you could argue, has transformed the world. And so we heard that and it kind of made us scratch our heads because the question is, in regards to legacy, is the smartphone, is the iPhone a positive legacy or a negative legacy? That's the question that we need to ask. There is no doubt that it's a legacy. There is no doubt that it was innovative. Uh, there was no doubt that the Apple company and Steve Jobs is one of the most successful companies of all time. And so I'm not here on this podcast to disparage the Apple company in any way. In fact, I was I will tell you that uh, the Clawson family is our Apple product users. We think it's clearly the best product and the best company, easiest to use. And I'm recording this podcast and videoing this podcast with my iPhone. So I see the irony, obviously, that's here. There's also the irony that um, I am on social media right now. And so this podcast is reliant on you listening on your mobile device or computerized device. And so in that regards, I do consider myself a social influencer. I would prefer to consider myself as a cultural influencer or reformer. That's what I believe I'm being called to, uh, am called to. Um, but there's no doubt about it that even this podcast is reliant on you listening through some kind of digital device, some kind of computerized device. So Steve Jobs has no doubt left his stamp. Now, according to the list before, I would have put Carnegie and Rockefeller as one and two uh, for many different reasons. They as persons were extremely generous. Uh, they brought steel and the oil industry all across the United States and the world Um which is in everything, every building that we live in, every road that we drive on, every car that we sit in, uh, they were a part of that. And so I would probably have put them ahead of Henry Ford and Steve Jobs, but that's just me. So it's really hard to argue that Steve Jobs wasn't and doesn't deserve to certainly be on that top 10 list. But what are the, what are the consequences of having a digital device in our hand almost at all times? So these are 2022, end of 2022 statistics. The average American spends five hours and 24 minutes on their mobile device every day. That's not their laptop or desk computer. That's their mobile device. On average, Americans check their phones at least 96 times a day or once in every 10 minutes. Now, the people who are actually in the phone industry who actually legitimately check these things and their job is dependent on these things say that it's actually closer to 150 times a day. That is every five to six minutes. There are roughly 6.65 billion smartphone users 
across the world. <laughs> so how can you argue that Steve Jobs should not be on this top 10 list? He obviously has impacted society in every single way. But the question is, is it healthy for us to be checking our phones every five to six or even 10 minutes? I would say at the worst, it can teeter into sort of the obsessive compulsive at the best. It can be addictive. It's a, it's a powerful uh, force of our attention, uh, this mobile device that we hold in our hand. And it has actually transformed our society in these last 20 years, perhaps more than anything else. The iPhone was released on January 9th, 2007. So we are literally, what would that be, 15 years into this. And now 6.65 billion people carry one. I believe it's up to like 70, I think it was 83% of people now have some type of smartphone. That's incredible in 15 years. And there's a connection between behavioral addiction and cell phone overuse. And there's a trigger in our brain that actually reinforces this compulsive behavior to check every five to six minutes. And that, that chemical is called dopamine. Your brain contains several pathways that transmit a feel-good chemical called dopamine when you're in rewarding situations. For many people, social interactions stimulates the release of dopamine. Oof. This is why it becomes addicting. So many people use their phones as tools of social interaction so they become accustomed to constantly checking them for that hit of dopamine. It's released when they connect with others on social media or an app. Now listen to this. App programmers are counting on that device to keep you checking your phone. I'm sorry, they're counting on that chemical drive to keep you checking your phone. Some apps even withhold and release social reinforcements, such as likes and comments, so that we receive them in an unpredictable pattern. When we can't predict the pattern, we check our phones more often. That sounds almost a little sinister, isn't it? It's very clever. It's brain psychology. It's brain chemistry. And they're taking full advantage of that and of you. Now, that cycle can lead to a tipping point when your phone ceases to be something you enjoy and becomes something you're virtually compelled to use. That's the tenor of this podcast is I labeled entitled this podcast iPhony because Steve Jobs has promised us connectivity. And you can say, well, he has absolutely delivered on that. But has he? Are we more connected or less connected than we have ever been? And that is the question that's before us as a society and as a culture. And it is completely in our control. I'm going to just read you an article. This will take a little bit of time, but I believe it is such an important article. And I think it will open your eyes uh, in your own life and in your parenting. It's entitled, Are My Devices Messing With My Brain? Uh, it's written by Markham Hyde from Time Magazine. Let me just read this article to you. First it was radio, then it was television. Now doomsayers are offering scary predictions about the consequences of smartphones and all the other digital devices to which we've all grown so attached. So why should you pay any attention to the warnings this time? Apart from portability, the big difference between something like a traditional TV and your tablet 
is the social component, says Dr. David Strayer, a professor of cognition and neural science at the University of Utah. Through Twitter or Facebook or email, someone in your social network is contacting you in some way all the time. We are inherently social organism, organisms, add Dr. Paul Atchley, a cognitive psychologist at Kansas University. There's almost nothing more compelling than social information, he says, which activates part of your brain's reward system. Your noodle is also hardwired to respond to novels, novel sights or sounds. For most of human history, a sudden noise might have signaled the, pres the presence of a predator. So something like a buzz or beep or flashing light is tapping into that threat detection system, he explains. Combine that sudden beep with the implicit promise of new social info, and you have a near-perfect, unignorable stimulus that will pull your focus away from whatever task your brain is working on. And while you may think you can quickly check a text or email and pick up that task where you left off, you really can't. Every time you switch your focus from one thing to another, there's something called a switch cost, says Dr. Earl Miller, professor of neuroscience at MIT. Your brain stumbles a bit and it requires time to get back to where it was before it was distracted. While this isn't a big deal if you're doing something simple and rote, making an omelet or folding clothes, it can be a very big deal if your brain is trying to sort out a complex problem. One recent study found it can take your brain 15 to 25 minutes to get back to where it was after stopping to check an email. And Miller's own research shows that you don't get better at this sort of multitasking with practice. In fact, people who judged themselves to be expert digital multitaskers tended to be pretty bad at it, he says. You're not able to think as deeply on something when you're being distracted every few minutes, Miller adds, and thinking deeply is where real insights come from. There seems to be an easy solution to this. When you're working on something complicated, switch off your phone or email. This part just kills me. That could work for some people, but there's evidence that as your brain becomes accustomed to checking a device every few minutes, it will struggle to stay on task at those times when it's not interrupted by digital alerts. That's something called phantom text syndrome, Ashley says. You think you hear a text or alert, but there isn't one. <laughs> wow. While phantom text can afflict adults, Ashley says this phenomenon is pretty much universal among people under the age of 20, many of whom who wouldn't recognize a world that doesn't include smartphones. Even if you don't hear phantom alerts, you may still find yourself reflexively wanting to check your device every few minutes for updates which disrupts your concentration regardless of whether you ignore that impulse. Your ability to focus aside, a 2014 study appearing in the Journal of PLOS 1 found that people who spend a lot of time multitasking or juggling lots of different websites, apps, programs, or other digital stimuli tend to have less gray matter in a part of their brain involved with thought and emotion control. These same structural changes are associated with obsessive-compulsive disorder, depression, and anxiety disorders. Ashley says more research suggests lots of device use bombards your brain's prefrontal cortex, which plays a big role in willpower and decision-making. The prefrontal cortex prevents us from doing stupid things, whether it's eating junk food or texting while driving. 
He says this part of the human brain isn't fully wired until your early 20s. Another issue that has him worried about how a lot of device use may be affecting children and adolescents. So what's the antidote? Spending time in nature may counteract the focus-draining effects of too much tech time, shows research Ashley and Strayer published in 2012. Strayer says putting your phone on silent and setting your email only to deliver new messages every 30 minutes are also ways to use your devices strategically and not be a slave to them. Of course, there are plenty of benefits associated with the latest and greatest technologies. Ease and convenience of staying in touch with friends is a big one. But many questions remain when it comes to the true cost of our digital distractions. I thought it was such a great article that's just showing, again, the brain chemistry connected to and the danger of having something, that portability in your hand that is constantly taking your brain elsewhere. It's dangerous and it's cultural when 83% of every American has one. It's cultural. I was at a hotel this weekend and I was sitting in the hot tub and I was watching children playing in the pool and around the edge of the pool were all the parents. There was probably five or six of them. Every single one of them on their phone. None of them were talking to each other and none of them were watching their children play. Then I thought to myself, that was not the case 20 years ago. We live in a different world. And is it a more connected world or a more disconnected world? I would argue the latter. More disconnected more separate. I believe Steve Jobs delivered a product that without a doubt is one of the most innovative, important products of my lifetime. But I don't believe he delivered on connectivity. I think it actually resulted in the opposite. I think it has become iPhone-y. It hasn't delivered on its promise. You know, the Bible talks about our focus and our concentration and how important it is that our brain is engaged not only into this world, but in the things that he is speaking to us. Second Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If we're checking our phone every four to six minutes, it's hard to connect to the things that are eternal. We're spending a lot of time connecting to the things that are temporal. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The word is to dwell, to dwell our spirit on those things. It doesn't mean that the things that are online, including pushback with Dr. Johnny, these things have value and these things can be pure and important. But we can't spend our time on a digital device dwelling on that. We need to be dwelling on the things above. Romans 8, 5 is a little harder hitting. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. And isn't that what we want? Isn't what we want to be connected to the spirit of our mind is constantly being stimulated by a beep and a buzz and constantly pulling our brain over to a device every five to six minutes of our life? Is, is, it, is it possible then to put our minds according to the spirit and connected to the spirit?
I'm, I'm not the most easily accessible person. And those who know me will know that that's true. And over time, I maybe felt a little bad about that. But now I'm starting to feel the advantage of that. I don't, actually don't mind the reputation of being less accessible. Obviously, as a physician, it's not always great to be super accessible. There's that. And of course, I love my family and want to stay connected to my family. And I see the importance of that. And I even see the importance of this cell phone that's recording and, and videoing this message right now. And it's awesome at taking pictures and, and, and connecting with people. I, I get it. I get the, the, the value of those things. But over-accessibility and, and, and over-connectivity of my brain to the device and less connectivity of my brain, my awareness to things of heaven and the people right in front of me. I see that as a disconnect, as a problem. My little two-year-old granddaughter was make-believing doing phone calls to her family, to, to Nana and to Papa and to her parents. And, and so she pretended that she was calling Papa. And in her make-believe, she said, oh, Papa not answer. <laughs> she, she's probably seen that demonstrated a few times when her parents have tried to call me. Uh-oh, Papa not answering. <laughs> I'm kind of okay with that. Not that I don't mind talking to Lucy. She's one of my favorite people to talk on the phone. And I do check my phone. I do check my messages. And when you contact me at pushbackculture.org, I will look at those and connect with those as well. But it really is about connection. The Father actually created us to be a connected people. He first said it wasn't good for a man to be alone, and he created woman to be the equal and comparable strength to him. And then he put us into families to reproduce his culture over the face of the earth. Then he put us into neighborhoods and communities and countries. And he did that so that we can connect one to each other, to another. He made us hardwired, not digitally wired, not set up to some kind of satellite, but hardwired in ourselves and in our hearts and in our brains to actually need each other, to connect with each other personally, face-to-face, touch each other to have real human connection. That's the way we were created. And isn't it lovely? And isn't it good? So just like, you know, money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. I don't believe cell phones are inherently evil, but we do have to be careful and we do have to understand, and especially with our children whose brains aren't even formed completely yet, that we need to have boundaries around ourselves, around the use of our phones so that they aren't consuming, that when we are with other people, that we are fully present. That's my heart today. Thank you for listening. It's so much fun bringing these topics to you each and every week. So until we connect next week, let's go together now to set and shape the culture.